0: From CPR News, this is Colorado Matters. Ten years ago today, the world was in shock. A man opened fire inside a crowded movie theater in Aurora. A memorial garden ensures that those whose lives were forever affected are never forgotten.
1: I think it just gives me strength to know that there's so much love out there and that people care and that they surround you with love when things like this happen.
0: We walk through the memorial and remember.
1: Here's Jesse Childress, and I always love sending pictures of his stone to his mom because it seems like around him, like he has the most vibrant, fullest flowers, like all year round.
0: Reflections and hope. Ten years later, a special Colorado Matters. If you have a car that you've been meaning to get rid of, just sitting around in your driveway or garage, you can clear out that space and make a difference at the same time by donating it to Colorado Public Radio. The process is easy and safe, and your donation can be handled online without any face-to-face interaction. The proceeds of your gift will help financially support CPR. Start the process now on the support page at CPR.org. This is Colorado Matters from CPR News and KRCC. I'm Chandra Thomas-Whitfield. Ten years ago today, people in Aurora and around the world were in disbelief and grieving. A man had opened fire inside the midnight showing of The Dark Knight Rises inside Theater 9 at the Century 16 Movie Theater. Twelve people died. Seventy others were hurt. There was a candlelight vigil overnight for the victims the survivors, and their families. And a community gathering is planned for Saturday. Heather Dearman oversees the 720 Memorial Foundation, the nonprofit that honors those whose lives were directly touched by the tragedy. I met her at the Memorial Garden, where we walked together, shed tears, and reflected on the past 10 years.
1: When we first started deciding what the memorial should be, So our board is made up of family members, Mm -hmm. of victims as well as survivors. And we aren't a board of people who knows much about public art or anything. But the city brought in um, Roberta Bloom from Art in Public Places to kind of help Mm. guide us. And she noticed that we were emotional and, you know, we're not, like I said, professional artists. But she did something she's never done before, and she asked us not what we wanted it to look like, but how we wanted people to feel when we came here. And this was before we asked for artists. Mm -hmm. And we said we wanted it to honor the ones that we lost, but also pay tribute to the first responders and the survivors and our whole community. And Mm -hmm. so the city had always said that they would maintain the land in the garden. And we always wanted like a bench or a seating element
0: Hmm. for
1: each of the family members. And so I'll take you around and show you the different stones that that incorporates. And then when we get closer to the sculpture, I'll tell you about why the sculpture looks like it does.
0: So the idea behind having a sitting area is just that they would have a chance to be able to sit down and kind of think about their loved one? Yes, exactly.
1: To sit down and think about their loved one. And for, you know, friends and family to come here, too, and have a space to sit and just reflect. And I think that's why they named it the Reflection Garden, actually, because... This area of the whole Waterwise Garden is called the Reflection Garden. So each different area is called something different.
0: So where should we start?
1: Okay, so if you start here at the beginning, and these are new, these signs here. um, It just happened this year, too, and it was very special to me because it's purple. Like, our zone is purple, and what I'll tell you about later is um, two of the victims' favorite colors were purple. Mm. So I was like, what? (laughs) So this element here is like the wandering pass through here and they're ADA accessible. We made sure to make them like that and everything. But the first we, stone that we come to is Jonathan Blanc, and our COO of the foundation. Now her name is Janssen Young and she was in the theater with him that night and he saved her life. Oh. And so if it wouldn't have been for him, I wouldn't have a best friend named...
0: Jansen right now, who's helped me with all of this. (laughs) You got me emotional. I was trying to be the big girl today. But um, um, I noticed the sign says never forgotten. Yeah. That's one of the
1: things that we believe this memorial is about is because we don't want anyone to be ever forgotten. Um, And so around each stone, too. So the stones have a good story behind them as well because after the trial was over some of the jurors knew that we were needing to raise money and they were four of them came forward and they didn't want their faces shown because it was so controversial what happened but they wanted to help us raise money and went on a radio show with us and I can't remember the gentleman's name heard the show and called and said I have boulders that I want to donate to you wow. so lo- look at all these boulders around here they all were gifted to
0: us and yeah perfect. and if and if you just look around, there's there's these big boulders. There are beautiful plants and rocks and just a beautiful landscape. Yeah. And, and in the distance, you can see a beautiful sculpture. Mm-hmm. It looks like birds about to take flight.
1: Thank you for noticing that. So around each stone, like um, we allow the family of each victim to choose what flowers are around them. That's why each of these markers say plants surrounding this were selected in memory
0: of Jonathan Blunk. So the family members selected? Mm-hmm. Wow. And yeah. we also see some beautiful uh, dried red and yellow roses right in front of Jonathan's boulder.
1: Yeah, starting in July, a lot of family members and survivors come to visit the garden. Um, I know for a lot of the direct victims not a lot of them but there's a few who it's too hard for them to come to the midnight vigil and so they pay tribute you know before that
0: I totally understand totally understand that
1: so we which way should we go now um over like the path will lead us to the left okay is um where Rebecca Wingo Stone is and Rebecca's mother is not from Colorado and so she's she wasn't able to make it out this year but Rebecca Wingo every time I come to this stone um and if there's new flowers popping up or anything like that I'll always send her mom and her best friend a picture of it they're Mm -hmm. having a tough time this year at the 10 year but these plants have gotten so big when we first like this was built in 2018 and at first the plants were having a hard time growing. And so it's pretty amazing to see that at the 10 year they've come so, so much bigger and like there's bright colors like pink out here and yeah, absolutely. the way they're blowing in the wind. So over this way is where there's two more still. Right here we have Matthew McQuinn. And his family is also from out of state, but they, his him, his mom and his brother are flying out here um, for the events on the 23rd. They won't be here for the vigil. Um, and then Michaela Medic, who her mom and her grandmother were both on the board. Her grandmother passed away before we realized the memorial. But um, her mom, Renee, is on the board and she lives here. And so she really had a big part in choosing what the Memorial would be,
0: and it's really just emotional when you see the faces because you yeah. know that's a life lost.
1: Yeah, you're right. This um, special person over here is AJ Boyk and his mom and grandfather. So that's interesting. We had a mom and a grandmother, and then also a mom and a grandfather that were on the board and. Um, So Teresa was the chair, she stepped down After the memorial was built, and she's an honorary member, and she said, Heather, you need to be the CEO. But the thing about him is, when I first met Teresa in 2012, I noticed she was wearing a purple bracelet, and this is where purple comes in. Veronica's favorite color is purple. And so I had walked up to her, and I was like, Oh, is that for Veronica? And then she told me about her son, AJ, and his favorite color is purple, too. Wow. And so then we immediately had a connection, and AJ is some kind of a special wonderful human being and I've heard a lot about him he was friends with everyone he went to Gateway High School and um, but like every time I go with Teresa to certain places everybody knows AJ wow. and it's almost like he's like checking on his mom all the time and bringing people together so
0: look at that smile I know. <laughs> and, and he looks like he's looking off into the future. <laughs>
1: Right. He had just graduated from Gateway High School and in the fall he was going to attend the Rocky Mountain College of Art and Design. Yeah, he wanted to be an art teacher. And so um, I really think that he had a lot to do with how beautiful this art sculpture ended up. He definitely had a part in it.
0: And I have to uh, have full disclosure. Heather and I are both crying right now and tears welling up in our eyes because we're looking at these faces of people whose lives were cut short. I was just noticing
1: this interesting plant right here. It's so blue. Like, what is that? Wow. I don't see it anywhere else. It feels so soft too. So this is Jessica Gowie and um, her mom and dad, Lonnie and Sandy Phillips, they um, founded Survivors Empowered, and they travel around the country to every mass shooting and just help with finding resources and trying to change the world because of Jessica. Jessica's their inspiration, and um, Jessica, you already know this, but they're trained really, really hard. <laughs> they're fighting for her and for everyone else. They, you know, none of us want anyone to have to feel this pain.
0: So we're walking along sort of a gravel walkway, and uh, and now we're approaching Alexander Teves.
1: Yeah, Alexander Teves. So um, he was a teacher at Humanex, um, a nonprofit that they now have a scholarship named after him. Um, his parents founded the ACT Foundation which gives scholarships for Human X. But not only that, Tom and Karen Teeves started No Notoriety, and it's just a campaign to make sure that the media doesn't say or print the name of the perpetrator more than the first time because that could save lives, too, because we believe that, too. There's no need to keep reporting it.
0: Is there a significance to the red and yellow roses that are on each boulder for each victim?
1: Um, There's not a significance to the red or yellow that I know of. (laughs) But I'm sure in someone's heart, whoever placed them, they definitely had a meaning. Wow. Mm -hmm. So, yes, his parents can't make it out this year, but I love them so much. They're fighting hard, too. Um, this over here is Alex Sullivan and his mom is Terry Sullivan and she is on our board as well. So she had a lot of to do with this. Uh, his nickname is Sully and he's whipping up the wind for us right now. <laughs> <laughs> I see. <laughs> he's like, Whoa. well, I mean, maybe there's more power in here than just Sully because I do want to say that Terry this year asked if we could put two more candles on his stone so he was at the movie that night it was his birthday and he was with he worked at Red Robin and he was with a bunch of people from Red Robin there um but two of those people have now passed on Mm -hmm. so one of them was Heather and she was shot in the hand and lost a finger and this affected her and then recently this year another person named Crispy And um, I think it's significant to say that there is a ripple effect of this. And so it's sad to me that now we'll have three candles on his stone because three people were taken because of this.
0: Yeah, I think sometimes we think only those who died are affected, but there's so many left behind, so many lives that these people touched, and they are all affected forever by this tragedy. Yeah. So,
1: and then um, you might know that his father, Tom, is also fighting um, to change laws. And so, yeah. Wow.
0: Alex Sullivan. (laughs) Continuing on on the walkway here.
1: And here we have Gordon Cowden. And he was in the theater that night with his two daughters. And I think of all the families, you know, we really have a good connection and um, relationship and, like, are able to get a hold of the other ones. But, Gordon, your family has been really hard to connect with, but we can understand because tragedy like this affects people in so many different ways. But I do know the most beautiful thing about your family is every year your two daughters come to the midnight vigil and they're on your stone and I know they're hugging you in their hearts and they always give us a hug and so we we see your daughters once a year and though we aren't connected with them on a regular basis sometimes you think that's the most special thing in the world it's just that one hug to know that they know that we care and we know that they know and probably you already know they're on their your minds every day as well so this one always like gets me cuz i think about that how i really wish that i could just take his girls and just hold them tight but they you know i think for a lot of families who are affected like this being in the public eye and having your loss be in a fishbowl it's hard so i completely understand
0: yeah i think when you think about this tragedy you just think that you know just a simple thing like going to a movie just being a batman fan and just wanting to celebrate your birthday or hang out with your children or you know enjoy a movie with your family and all that gets disrupted by just senseless violence Mm.
1: and here's jesse childress and I always love sending pictures of his stone to his mom because it seems like around him, like, he has the most vibrant, fullest flowers, like, all year round. Like, those wow. usually are blooming in the season before this. And so I just noticed those beautiful orange flowers over there and then these white ones. Those white ones weren't there, like, it seems like just two days ago. <laughs> so he's awesome. He, w- he served our country and... um I don't. His family will be out here as well, and I just, I love always talking to them and thinking about Jesse Childress. He was a s- sergeant. So we have some service members. Um, actually, Rebecca Wingo that I was telling you about over there, she was actually in the Air Force, so. Wow. Over on this path over here is a stone for John Larimer, who also served our country and was at Buckley Air Force Base. His family, again, not from Colorado. Seven out of the 12 families don't live in Colorado. But this is John Larimer, and um, there was actually a scholarship named after him too for the university that he went to. And his parents, um, talked to me recently, we invited them out here and they said that this year is super hard and they just want to spend it with their grandchildren and I said that's the perfect thing to do because you never know how long you have with people and it's more important to be with the ones you love right now and in his memory so John, yeah.
0: I'm sure the 10th anniversary is just really tough really tough when you think about a decade passing Mm-hmm. Of losing a loved one senselessly.
1: Yeah. And then the final stone we have is over here. Um, when the city picked where to put the stones, we did a drawing, you know, and so whatever stone you got was the stone that was meant to be. And I thought it was pretty amazing how Veronica and baby Toes Mother Stone ended up over here. So that every time I visit, I can sit right here and like, have the best view of the sculpture. So, as I think about my cousin Ashley, who was in the theater that night, and she was pregnant and actually, Um, She had just gotten home with her boyfriend, and Veronica was with the sitter, and they had just gotten the ultrasound back, so we're going to celebrate. And Veronica wanted to be a big girl, and she really wanted to go, too. So they took Veronica to the theater that night, and sadly, my cousin Ashley was shot and miscarried. And Veronica was also shot, but she did not make it. She's our little angel now. She was only six years old and she was so full of life. And Ashley often says she was like, is something wrong with Veronica? She's always so full of energy. <laughs> and it was just that she was so happy and everybody she met, she loved and wanted to be friends with. And she wanted to learn so much about the world. And like Ashley would take her to all the different cultural fairs, like the Greek fest or, you know, the Irish fest and, um, so she just really had a zest for life. And another thing that I would like to tell you about Veronica was um, her mom sent me her, well, it was National Recognize a Police Officer Week. And I had asked Ashley, I said, can I, because we were fundraising for Ashley. And um, on her webpage, I said, can I post a picture of the officer that saved your life that night, Ashley? And she said, yes, will you please post this too? And... It was Veronica in her um, cap, and it said, class of high school class of 2024, which is coming up. Mm-hmm. And then on the side of it, it said, I want to be a police officer when I grow up. Oh yes. Yeah. And so, one of the biggest reasons why we were able to raise so much money for this memorial is we had a lemonade stand fundraiser. And um, I had told the chief that Veronica wanted to be police officer, So I said, could you bring a a lot of police officers to the lemonade stand? Well, what they did is they had a whole procession of police officers come to the lemonade stand. And then they made an announcement that they were making her an honorary police officer. And then the officers, like all of them took the oath. And they all said, I, Veronica, Moser, Sullivan. And then... The chief said something like, put on your wings and fly. And then then they folded the flag. And the flag has 13 folds. So each fold they said a victim's name. And then on the last fold they said the last fold is Veronica, who involves the whole flag. Oh, wow. So that was pretty very, very special. And, you know, um, the tragedy happened in July but Ashley was still recovering and they we couldn't have her funeral till October. And so, after saying goodbye to a little six-year-old in October and then Sandy Hook happened, it was devastating. And so you think 10 years later and then when something like that happened again, it just... But But the light in that that I want to tell you is like the only thing I could think of to make myself feel better is like, you know what? So Veronica greeted all the sandy hook children and then this year all of them are together again and they're looking down on us and they're like please treat each other with kindness and find joy in one another that's what children do you know they would be out here looking at the butterflies and those beautiful orange flowers over there and just finding so much joy in it
0: so when you look at the tragedy in Uvalde, Texas, does that just kind of reopen those memories for you?
1: Yes, it did for everyone. I mean, around the country, of course, but especially us who have been through the theater, because we definitely remember Sandy Hook.
0: Heather Dearman walking with me through the memorial created in honor of those impacted by the shooting inside an Aurora movie theater 10 years ago today. Dearman is the CEO of the 720 Memorial Foundation. It's a nonprofit that oversees the Memorial Garden. It also works to support other communities affected by mass violence. This year, they placed 39 candles near Veronica Moser-Sullivan's Remembrance stone to represent the children killed at Sandy Hook and in Uvalde. Our reflection and conversation continues after the break. We'll talk about the upcoming community gathering and the meaning behind the sculpted birds at the heart of the memorial. This is Colorado Matters from CPR News and KRCC. ¿Quién somos nosotras? Who are we? I mean, now I feel like a Mexican-American man versus just feeling like a part-time Mexican and a part-time
1: white wannabe guy.
0: I'm May Ortega, and CPR's new podcast, Quien Are We?, is all about being Latinx, Hispanic,
1: Chicana, and the beautiful things that make us who we are. Look for Quien
0: Are We everywhere you listen. This is Colorado Matters from CPR News and KRCC. I'm Chandra Thomas-Whitfield. Ten years ago today, a man murdered people. Who had gone to a midnight showing of *The Dark Night Rises* inside the Century Sixteen Movie Theater in Aurora? Not far from the theater stands a memorial garden created to honor those killed, as well as the survivors, their families, and the entire community. Let's return to the memorial where I spent Monday afternoon with Heather Dearman. She runs the nonprofit Seven Twenty Memorial Foundation. Obviously. This work is so personal for you. So, how do you think that helps you and gives you strength as the CEO?
1: It just, I don't know, like, I, I, people ask me that all the time, but the way that this memorial came to be, and like I said, the, 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 so there's 83 sculpted cranes here and 70 of them are white and they represent those that were injured. And then the 13 in the middle represent the ones that we lost. And what another part of this is, is that there's a canister in each one of those birds and they're filled with notes of love and support from the community. So it's like each of these birds have a soul because we wanted to honor the community as well. Like I was telling you and so like, the way that this space was created and we would have fundraisers here before the sculpture was here. I feel like there was an energy of the community here and the community built this cause they raised money for it. And so I think it just gives me strength to know that there's so much love out there and that people care and that they surround you with love when things like this happens. And it's, it's definitely tragic and you don't want the reason that it's here is horrible But to me, just being in this space, it gives you just a feeling of comfort. And, um, you know, I think that all along the way, our 13 angels helped to build this. and, And, you know, the way that those 13 in the middle are ascending towards the heavens, it's almost in a peaceful way, you know. So I just got to experience that of connecting with other people.
0: This is also in some ways really personal to me because I just recently celebrated my 10th anniversary here in Colorado. And this had happened just as I was moving. And um, there was a makeshift memorial shortly after the uh, incident. And uh, I took my own son when he was five months old to go look at this makeshift memorial. And he's 10 years old right now. And to look at Veronica and know she's not here. And it, it really is emotional.
1: Yeah, it was hard in the beginning when, when I, Veronica was gone because I had my own daughter who was four. And I, I found myself on Mother's Day you know she's giving me a gift and I'm like Ashley's not getting this gift you know and then later you you feel guilty because you're like I need to focus on my own child but you know everyone goes through that and then it just makes you grateful more grateful and love and hug your kids even more
0: yeah so in some ways it's still just hard to believe that it's been a decade since mm -hmm. this happened and it's just just change so many people we look over our shoulders we're looking for exits when we go places because you understand that this actually does happen and um and you never know you never know when it's going to happen and you never know who you're sitting next to what's going on with them what's going on in their mind so at this 10-year mark where are you personally and as ceo
1: well, I mean, it's so beautiful that um, we get such a great response for everyone who visits here and that everyone can really appreciate the beauty and the hope and the love that we're trying to share. And And you know, we do our paper crane peace project. Um, So the cranes are based off of the thousand cranes that somebody sent us in 2012. That's what the artist saw. And they're in the museum right now. But he collected paper cranes with notes on them. And we got those cranes. And that's why everything is what it is. And we now send paper crane wreaths to different communities that experience the same. And, like, we didn't used to have to send so many in a row. And so, like, it's hard because you're, you're like, can I do this again? But inevitably you always get a thank you back from that community and they appreciate that they're not forgotten and that's what we want to do is make sure that people who experience this are never forgotten and they know they're loved so I mean 10 years I mean we're definitely very proud and I'm very happy that we have a space that people can come to to remember and as well as feel comfort but it's the same time having 10 years go by and things are kind of getting worse I don't know how I feel on any given day.
0: So tell us, what is the foundation doing to support these communities also touched by tragedy?
1: Yeah. So besides the Paper Cream Peace Project that we do, we want to advocate and bring awareness to the long-term healing needs of survivors. And so we partner with a lot of other organizations And there's a lot of them now who are born out of mass tragedy, like the Rebels Project and Pulse Nightclub and, you know, getting together and learning best practices and and trying to feel out how best that we can make survivors' voices heard so that things change in the future for helping them. So, for example, and it's not just those that were injured or have a victim or even were in the theater that night, but... Someone might be affected by what happened in July 2012 and not realize it affected them until another one happens, and now they are ready to get help. And we want there to be mental health help for everyone in perpetuity because after a mass shooting happens, everyone's there from the, the beginning, and then the media goes away and they don't get any help. And so we really advocate for that and want to bring awareness of the effect that it has on families so that something can be done.
0: You've mentioned that the 10th anniversary is really tough, especially for the families that are still, you know, dealing with this with these losses. So what have you all planned for this year to commemorate this?
1: Thank you for asking. So the midnight vigil has always been an organic And you mentioned you were at the first one when there was a makeshift memorial over here. And um, after the first year in 2013, the survivors naturally gathered across from the theater again. And that year, the first responders did a procession of lights and sirens in front of the theater. And once we knew that our memorial would be here, we started having the vigils here. But we know that survivors heal in their own way, and some people that's hard for them. So we always plan the Saturday after the 20th for something more celebratory. But this year, since it's the 10-year, there's going to be a 5K starting at 9 a.m., and it was organized by Zach Goldich, who is, was a Gateway High School football player. He was in the adjacent theater, and he got shot in the neck. Mm-hmm. But he went on to be in the NFL for a few years. And then he came back and is now a South Metro Aurora firefighter. Wow. And he was healed through athletics, and so he's raising money for an Aurora Public Schools athletic student through the 5K. And then, so all of this that I'm telling you about is July 23rd, Saturday. Then at 1.45 p.m. over there on the Great Lawn will be a more formal reflection ceremony where we'll read the names and speakers from that night will come and um, tell their stories. And then at 3 p.m. starts the free community event. And we've, we have it every year, usually in the Reflection Garden here, and it's very special because there's such good energy here. But since it's a big tenure, they want it on the lawn. But we still do have the chalk artists, live chalk artists from 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. will be in this garden area. So you can still visit the garden during the day. But anyway, at 3 p.m. starts the community events where we have wellness and healing booths. And two bands, Brushfire and Latin Soul. And then food trucks and the beer garden. Mm. So we have at least 18 breweries who come. And if you're 21 and over, you can go online to our website right now and purchase a wristband for unlimited beer tasting. Mm. And then to top it all off, (laughs) at 7.20 p.m. is something that we've been working on for a while. There is going to be a tent right over here near that um, fence over there. And we have Stratus Chamber Orchestra who is coming and it's an immersive art experience where you get to sit amongst the orchestra so there'll be chairs near them. And there will be an LED screen that's showing this visual art that was created by DAVA students, the Downtown Aurora Visual Arts. Um, These students, through their hearts, created some beautiful art that will be playing while the orchestra plays their music, kind of Um, representing the healing journey from pain into growth. And it includes dancers. And the Aurora former poet laureate, Ase Tuzango, has a custom poem that was written that they'll be performing as well. And so... It's a lot (laughs) but we feel we have something for everyone to choose from and you don't have to stay obviously all day you can come whenever you feel like it and the funds raised go towards the maintenance of this memorial and to fulfill our mission to advocate for the long-term healing of mass shooting survivors but it's not about the funds we're raising to me. I think it's about the community coming back together Mm -hmm. and like people remembering that Aurora is a beautiful community and we're so strong and like I remember back then how everyone just had the love and the support for one another and it's like I know a lot of has happened even in Aurora in the past 10 years and sometimes we get a bad rap but like this is time for our community to come together and show everyone that we really just love one another.
0: Now were any of the families and survivors involved in the plans? Like, did Mm -hmm. you speak with them about what they wanted for the 10th anniversary?
1: Yes, we definitely reached out to people, and we know a lot of um, family members and survivors. Like, one of the elements that we included is there's going to be, there's not only an LED screen for the orchestra part of it, but there's going to be one on the Great Lawn, and survivors and families are sending in pictures of themselves you know, how they've grown in the past 10 years. Not necessarily the sad things about that night, but more to show people the resilience of themselves in it.
0: This year's theme is metamorphosis. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about what inspired that theme and what you're hoping for with that theme?
1: Yes, every year we have a different theme for the chalk artists, but we chose metamorphosis because it's been 10 years and we feel like We have gone through a type of metamorphosis. So if a tragedy happens to you, you are forever changed. And it's like like when there's that caterpillar that's in its cocoon and it's feeling all trapped and sad and feeling like its life is over. But then over time... You know, it turns into a butterfly and, you know, is it's a beautiful thing. So it is something tragic that started the change, but something beautiful comes out of it, which is being able to spread hope and healing to other people. But the thought of having metamorphosis also we thought it could relate to everyone in the world, really, because the whole world has been in a cocoon because of COVID. And so it's almost like the transformation of like, now our world has changed forever, just because of that. So everyone has really gone through a change. And so we felt like people could really relate to the theme of metamorphosis this year.
0: You mentioned that this year in particular is really hard for a lot of the survivors, including those who were there and survived the shooting, and also the loved ones of those who did not make it out of that theater. What sense are you getting overall from the survivors about this date? Well,
1: you know, i if you would have asked me that... 2 or 3 months ago it would have been different but really since there have been so many more mass shootings in succession it's very very heavy. Um, it's making it very very difficult for them to want to come and, you know, be a part of it because I, a lot of survivors really have over the years fought and tried to make changes and then they're like for what? And so I don't blame them for feeling heavy right now like I, it's, 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 it's hard for me to think about, you know, those directly impacted and how they feel now because of what's going on in the world. But we totally understand and meet them where they're at on their journey and we will have them in our hearts while we're here. And, you know, hopefully maybe when it comes to Saturday and they're sitting there and, they might change their mind and they might come and even just come over and see one of us and we'll give you a hug and then you can leave and you will we'll be able to have connected. But um, I really think that it's going to be a pretty beautiful experience if they are able to make it to any of the events at all.
0: So you feel like many of them had made a lot of progress, but these tragedies as they keep happening mm-hmm. just kind of bring them back to that day, July 20th.
1: Exactly. That's exactly it. It's almost like um, you're finally able to come up and a tragedy happens and you're you're heavy and you're down again. And usually in the past, you've been able to come up for air for a few months before the next one hit. And that hasn't been the case this time. So it's definitely been hard for people to get back up and brush themselves off. Um, but... The thing about it is is like they've experienced it before and they've been able to brush themselves off and get back up again so they know deep down in their hearts that they will get through this Um, and it's okay for them to sit in that dirty muck as long as they need to because you don't want to forget and you don't want anyone to lose the fact that this is an impact that we need to think about because if you just brush it off for one thing you forget that it's important and for another thing it just gets stuck inside of you and just builds up. Somebody put a
0: note over there. Oh wow so we should go see that. So what we're doing is we're approaching the Little Free Library in the memorial and there's a purple note on the library box and Heather will you read it?
1: There's a heart surrounding the words 10 years and it says I will always remember each and every One of you forever and always Aurora strong and I wonder who put that there I wonder if it'll stay on the back it doesn't oh that is so and it's
0: purple I know like that they were so thoughtful (laughs) that's amazing
1: so this was built by a columbine survivor for us Wow. and we made it into not only a little lending library but it's a paper crane peace box so we have origami here and you can follow this along to fold it and leave a paper crane or if you feel like you need a little love and you want to open it up, there's, there's books in here as well, but there's also paper cranes oh with gosh. notes on it. And it's dedicated to William Francis Hoover. He was A.J. Boyk's grandfather. Hmm. And on the back of it has a plaque. So this, A.J. Boyk's grandfather picked the words. Heather, will you read that? Yeah. It's, this is a sign
0: in the garden.
1: It says, Welcome to the 720 Memorial Garden. This area is presented as a memorial to the 13 killed and the 70 wounded during the Aurora Theater Massacre on July 20th, 2012. It is dedicated to all of the victims and survivors of the shooting, first responders and their families. It is meant as a place for reflection, relaxation and meditation. We welcome everyone to use this space. There's something so special about this plaque that I have to tell you. So Brandon was a Columbine survivor. And when he went to the wood place to pick up wood, he met this random stranger who said that he would Mm. do the etching on it. And when we first had this up, one of the names was misspelled. And so Uvalde had happened and we had said, we need him to redo this plaque. And when Brandon brought it to the man and said, can you redo this plaque? Um, the man said, I'm from Uvalde. Wow. So now he has a special connection to this garden too. And we, um, we said that if he wanted to put something in the back of it to commemorate his city. So, and then also, you know how you said, um, you went to the makeshift memorial and there was a lot of items left over there. So, um. The City of Aurora History Museum, they like painstakingly tagged all of the items that were left over at the memorial. And they've always kept them. And at one, they've always been in contact with us. And at one point they said, we have some stuff that's kind of rained on, and but we don't want to just throw it away. What do you guys want to do? And so we went and looked at it. And Alex Sullivan's mom said, this might sound strange, but what if somebody would cream right it for us and we could keep the ashes? And so the first thing I saw on Google, I called. And when I called, I said, does this sound strange if we want to cremate something that's not a person? And he said, actually, no, some religions do do something like that with stones." Then I began to tell him the story about Terry Sullivan and how she thought about this. And he was like, I was Alex Sullivan's funeral director. And so, so he turned that into ashes. And then we were holding on to them like, what could we ever do with these ashes? And so... When Brandon was mixing the cement, we said, could we put this in the cement? So this is now held up by all those words of love and support from back then. It's like the support is helping us in a different way. And you were referring so should...
0: to the, the box that holds the, the little library. Yeah. Yeah, the cement. And these notes. So people come and they fill these out and they write messages mm-hmm. to everyone. Mm-hmm. Wow.
1: And so this person was kind enough. I'm going to go put it back in front. of so
0: cool. Heather, what is your hope for this memorial and also for the foundation?
1: Um, my hope has already come true for this memorial because everyone who visits always has such wonderful things to say. And I really do think that they find peace here. So I just... Hope that the plants become taller and pretty soon that grass will be filled in. That's why it's roped off right now, but we really want people in and amongst it. But for the foundation, I... um we're already connecting with other organizations, and we um, started a, a organization called Survivors of Tragedy Outreach Program with a bunch of us nonprofits. That's in the very beginning stages. So, I kind of see us pivoting towards that and the bigger picture. But our foundation, the Seven Twenty Memorial Foundation, will always be here to have the midnight vigils on the nineteenth and remember our thirteen, and also the Paper Crane Peace Project.
0: As we wrap up what is it that you want people to reflect on and think about as we commemorate the 10th anniversary of the Aurora Theater shooting?
1: I want people to reflect on remembering that every human life is an important life and that we all just are worthy of love and kindness and Please hold the families and the friends of the survivors and victims in your hearts on the 10th anniversary that are having a hard time. And remember just to smile at somebody who's even just walking by you and they're having a bad day because you never know what life you could have saved just by putting some love in somebody's heart.
0: Heather, thank you so much. And just to echo her points, uh, it's impossible. She's hugging me right now. (laughs) We have to hug. It's impossible not to be emotional. Looking at these faces and knowing that these are lives that did not need to end, should not have ended that way. And Heather, thanks so much for talking to us as CEO, but also as a survivor yourself.
1: You're welcome. It means a lot to me that you care. It really does.
0: Heather Dearman is the chief executive officer of the 720 Memorial Foundation, the nonprofit founded after the shooting inside an Aurora movie theater exactly 10 years ago today. You heard Dearman reference 13 victims. She is including the unborn baby of her cousin, Ashley Moser, who was paralyzed and miscarried, after being shot. The 720 Memorial Foundation oversees the memorial that was created not far from the theater. Its mission is also to support other communities affected by mass violence. I'm Chandra Thomas-Whitfield with special thanks to engineer Shane Rumsey. This is Colorado Matters from CPR News and KRCC.